Late Night Council is a production of Council Communications. This is Late Night Council. This is bigger. This is very big. There's definitely something here. Apparently, it's a big deal. It's all over the news. It's a real thing. A radio signal from another world. That's my grandpa. Wow, your story is very compelling. Your chance to make history. That's pretty cool, I guess. Give it to me straight. John, you're in charge. I tell you, these technical difficulties are driving me around the bend, okay? The same technical difficulties that we straightened out last week and we actually got on the air at 9.35. They had a little gremlin in the software and I had to get, there was one little password that they didn't tell me about, you know, the on-air people that helped me do this. And uh, we got it going. So you're listening to me. I hope you're listening to me. In fact, it'd be good if you called in so I know that you're human. I'm actually going to, you know, I never let you call in unless you've got something valid to say. But if you want to call in just to let me know, yeah, you are getting through, John. We can hear you. Uh, feel free to do that right now at uh, 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. I am not a technical type guy. I appreciate it. Okay, I think it's great. You know, when everything comes together. But I'm not a guy that knows how to make it happen. I just kind of, you know. And that's the joys of internet broadcasting, is it? You know, you're on your own, man. You don't have a you don't have a multi-billion dollar or a committed staff, you know, that understands the value of talk radio to back you up. You kind of got to go on your own, okay? You're with me. That's a good thing. God bless you for tuning in. Welcome to Late Night Council. Welcome to Ask the Pastor. It is open line, open topic, all the way to 11 o'clock. And you know what? Because we got a 15-minute late start, there's a good chance I'm going to go past 11 tonight. Does that sound fair? I hope it does. Those of you that are fans of Nick at Night, okay, we didn't have the system up and running for Nick, okay? Something went wrong. I I don't think he even got on the air Wednesday night, but uh, uh, the podcast is going to go up on the latenightcouncil.com where you normally listen to Nick, okay? You're going to hear uh, his Wednesday night show if you want to catch up with that. And, of course, this goes on to podcast, too. It's open line, open topic. Here's how you connect. One, uh, three, uh, three, four, three, you don't need a one, three, four, three, seven hundred forty three ninety. That is the capital region, Ottawa area code all across North America, Hawaii, Guam, Alaska. One, eight, four, four, five, six, two, four, seven, six, six is the long distance line. That's one, eight, four, four, five, six, two, four, seven, six, six. I want to shout out to my buddy, Mike Irvin. Mike Irvin calls this show more than anybody and Mike Irvin has done more to help me with the technical side okay of getting on air I hope it didn't sound like I was blaming him I certainly wasn't because I think if it wasn't for Mike Irvin we probably you probably wouldn't be hearing me tonight because he kind of reminds okay John did you do this you did that he's not even in the studio here he's kind of you know living his life and God bless him for it so Mike if you tuned in God bless you and uh, if you listen to this podcast and I know he's a fan of the show and contributes more than anybody uh, you know 
uh, thank you very much for getting us on our feet tonight. Okay, let's get past the technical garbage because that bores you to tears. You didn't call, you didn't listen in to you know to, to hear me whine about that kind of stuff. I lost a hero this week. I, I, you know, and when I, f- I found out about his death, it rocked me way more than I thought it would. And a lot of you know that David Maines passed away this week. And uh, some of my friends, not just my friends, but some people have referred to him as the Billy Graham of Canada. Okay? Now, I think that's fair. I don't think he could preach as good as Billy Graham. But, uh, I mean, still, I think... I think that's a fitting description. I think that's very accurate. David Maines, you could describe him as the Billy Graham of Canada. And now think about the irony of it. And I gave you a bit of a heads up on Twitter tonight. Think of the irony of it. David Maines and Hugh Hefner died on the same week. My goodness. Yeah, I want to get into the bit of the ironies between the two, okay? And uh, I was very close to David Baines. David Baines, uh, well, I, I don't want to make like he was my buddy, okay? But we had great respect for each other. I was on his show, oh, at least two or three times in a number of different capacities. I was a guest on his show. I was in two bands that drummed on his show in uh, the early 80s. And uh, I hosted, they used to have a show called Nightlight, which was a phone-in radio Ask the Pastor type show that I hosted a few times. And uh, always enjoyed my association with David. My association with David goes back long before I got into talk radio, though, because I went to I went to college with his daughter, uh, his older daughter. You know, her and her husband Bruce would come and you know do special services for our youth group in Windsor when I was a teenager. Uh, his son Reynold, him and I went to youth camp together. So we're got going all the way back to you know when I, my teen years. That's how far I go back with uh, the Mainses. And uh, I do want to talk about David a little bit later, but I want to I, think of the irony. Think of the contrast. And you might have some thoughts on this tonight that you want to share. Hugh Hefner and David Maines. I mean, you couldn't pick two people that are further apart on the moral spectrum than those two guys right there. Okay? Now, Hugh Hefner, there's been nothing but, you know, accolades in media, because that's what media does. I, I, you know, I don't want to get into, you know, and I probably will anyway, of uh, how much I distrust media, how much I loathe their priorities, and how, you know, they will sell their soul for a buck or whatever. And, and of course, they would celebrate a guy like Hugh Hefner. And media has been full of all these glowing, wonderful things of this so-called champion of human rights and, you know, how all these great things he did for freedom of speech, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, there's going to I'm going to share some ironies with you tonight because there's some really silly things that I've read that have caused me to kind of tilt my head and go, what did you just say what I thought you said? Like this one. I'm looking at today's Ottawa Sun, okay? And the article is entitled Requiem for the Porn Kings. They embodied a lifestyle for men of a certain era. Now they're done, okay? Now you would think from a headline like that, you know, all the porn kings are done. Yeah, well, they've just spawned, you know, a a porn industry that's a multi-multi-billion dollar industry now. And it talks about Bob Guccione dying, the founder of and, and uh, head guy at Penthouse. And, of course, they're alluding to Hugh Hefner. And then they quote Larry Flint, who is the head of the Hustler magazine empire. Okay? 
And he tweeted out, listen to this. This just blows me away. Truly sad at the moment. I have always held great admiration for Hugh. He had a remarkable presence about him. Now, look at, listen to this. This is so crazy. If this doesn't cause you to do a double take, oh my goodness, you're dead. He says this. My thoughts and prayers go out to his family and our friends at Playboy. Larry Flint. No question, one of the most immoral perverts, you know, to walk the face of the earth. And he says, my thoughts and prayers are go out to Playboy. Really? Now think about it, okay? Is Larry Flint the type of guy you want praying for you? I mean, I would wonder, who does Larry Flint pray to? I mean, if he calls out to Jesus to repent to repent of his sins, okay, and if he acknowledges that you know the the filth that he's promoted and peddled, you know, for decades, I'm sure Christ would hear him. But if he's calling on God as if you know God's going to hear his prayer, and I'll give you scriptural support for God to kind of say, "Excuse me, is somebody calling my name?" James, what's Ask the Pastor about? It's about a biblical perspective on whatever you bring to the show, whatever I bring to the show. Here's the biblical perspective. James 5.16 says the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Clear implication there. If there's no righteousness, and our righteousness comes from Christ, I get that. If there's no... You know, if there's no evidence that Christ has come and done something, because Jesus said, by their fruits you will know them. When James 5.16 says the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective, I think it's pretty safe to suggest that if you're one of the biggest peddlers in sexual perversion and everything that the Bible calls depravity, I think it's easy to suggest that those prayers are pretty useless. Let me give you another one, just so you know I'm not just picking one text at a time. Psalm 66, 18. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. I mean, these guys cherish sin. I mean, if anybody peddles sin and makes money off it, it's, it's, it's pornographers. And the papers are filled with all these tributes to this, you know, this arrogant pleasure madman. And I want to ask you something, and I wouldn't mind hearing your opinions on this tonight. Can you think of anybody who has exploited women more in the 20th century than Hugh Hefner? If you were to answer the question, who has been the greatest exploiter of women? Who has brought the value down of women more than anybody in the 20th century? Please, I'd like to hear your suggestions. Please call in and tell me somebody that you think has degraded women more and caused the degradation of women more than Hugh Hefner in the 20th century. I want to puke when I hear this garbage that, oh, he's a champion of free, free speech and all this garbage. Champion of women's rights? Oh, give me a break. Yeah, if you're really good looking. He didn't seem to have much time for, you know, most women who are, you know, and have playboy centerfold figures. 
Now, the internet, as you know, and the news media is jam-packed with all kinds of people, you know, getting their two cents on cents in on what they think about Hugh Hefner. Most of it is giving glowing reports, okay? But as you know, and the reason you tune in to Late Night Council is because I don't go to just those news sources. I go to news sources that the big money news sources don't want you to know about. Last week, I gave you a story about Ric Flair, the wrestler, almost dying, and him talking about his, you know, wild, crazy, boozing, skirt-chasing lifestyle. And the entire article, you know, that, that, you know, interviewed him, most Sun news chains across Canada left out the back, the, the bottom two paragraphs, the bottom two paragraphs that said he was visited in the hospital by Hulk Hogan, who was recently converted to Christianity, Hulk Hogan brought him a Bible. Ric Flair was talking about how it was inspiring him and how he was he thought it was wonderful that two guys that were, you know, constant rivals and hated each other for most of their careers are now become great friends. Media didn't want you to hear that side. So, you know, the kind of stuff I'm going to share with you tonight and what I think is really the perspective that needs to be shouted from the rooftops about Hugh Hefter, I'm going to share with you some of that stuff tonight. Some of you have heard of Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel is the guy that put out the movie, and it's really a story of his life, The Case for Christ. A lot of people have seen that movie, The Case for Christ, Okay. I'll give you a little bit of uh, a Christian uh, Post reporter uh, interview with Lee Strobel on the death of Hugh Hefner, and it's, it's quite remarkable. Hugh Hefner did not die without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to popular Christian apologist and author Lee Strobel, he once shared the gospel with the founder and publisher of Playboy magazine who died in his Beverly Hills, California mansion of natural causes on Wednesday. Strobel, an atheist, Turned Believer released the Case for Christ film earlier this year, which stems from his best-selling novel of the same name. With the film, Strobel sent out to provide evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is something that he said Hefner never checked out. And he probably never checked it out because he didn't want to know whether it was true or not. Because Hefner found a way to make a ton of money and get whatever he wanted as far as his sexual desires are concerned. There's another guy by the name of Russell Moore. And the headline of this article says, and and Russell Moore's the guy that wrote it, Hefner did not live the good life. Because that's we're being inundated with now. Oh, this guy had it great. Imagine, you know, dying with a bevy of beauties all around you. And that's the popular concept that, you know, that's well, you know, that has been defined to us as good. You've probably heard the term, hey, that's what it's all about, you know. This is Russell Moore. He's the head of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which is a, a you know a, a, a Christian media a, a company. Hefner did not create, but markedly, but marketed ingeniously the idea that a man's life consists in the abundance of his possessions and of his orgasms. To women, he marketed frenetically the idea that a woman's value consists in her sexual availability and attractiveness to men. That's the core of what Hefner's message was right there. Let me read that again. He marketed frenetically the idea that a woman's value consists in her sexual availability and attractiveness to men. 
Moore wrote on his website on Thursday. I'll, I'll get to that in a second, okay? If you want to see success, and I love this line, and no, there's not a major news media company that's quoting this line at all, but boy, if this isn't truth, please call me up and let me know what your version is, and I'll challenge you on it any day. Russell Moore says, if you want to see success, look instead to a man faithful to the wife of his youth, caring for her through dementia, he added. The sign of the good life is not a bunny, but a cross. And I'm going to contrast David Maines and Hugh Hefner quite a bit tonight, but just as I'm reading that, I just finished reading the biography of Mark Howell, NHL Hall of Famer Mark Howell. The book is called The Son of Gordie Howe. And some of you know Gordie and Colleen Howe, they had an amazing marriage. She was an incredible woman. And I think they were married 60 years. You talk about a successful marriage. And I use them as an example. They're not people of faith. And I don't want people thinking that, you know, that you can make a marriage work. You can't make a marriage work without Christ. Gordie Howe never espoused any type of, you know, faith in Christ. But his wife contracted Pick's disease, which is kind of like... Alzheimer's, but it's worse in that you know what's going on, but it, it's it, 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 there's changes in your personality take place. And the book talks about their best friends were Bill Gatsby and his wife. Bill Gatsby played with Howe in the Red with the Red Wings in the fifties and the sixties. And there were times when Colleen was suffering from from this Pick's disease, where she would physically assault Bill Gatsby's wife, and she was uncontrollable. And Mark Howe, you know, writes in his book of such great admiration and respect. He said, I've never seen, you know, you want to see what real love is. That's what real love is. And he talks about his dad being faithful and, you know, helping Colleen when she couldn't even go to the bathroom and never complaining and explaining to his son when they were alone, you know, and he had daddy, okay. And he would say often how much she's the love of his life, how much, you know, he's all, he's never been so much in love with her and how it feels so good to give back to her now that she's, you know, she's in her, she's in her late eighties and she's dying of this horrible debilitating disease. That's a good life. Not the garbage trash that, you know, makes billions of dollars. But the cost for those billions of dollars, we've got the casualties all over our culture now. There's another one by the name of Samuel James, who's a writer at, I believe, Christianity Today. He said, Hefner's mansion is a myth. The reality is misery. Nobody's, nobody's putting this stuff out. Listen to this. Men who chase the Hefner dream wake up in their 30s and 40s shocked to realize that the years passed them by. While they were hibernating in make-believe fantasies, and that is to say nothing of the men whose marriages, careers, and fatherhoods fall apart when the depth of their compulsion is made public, and it almost always is. The facade is glitz and Hollywood glamour. The brick and mortar that holds it all together is the despondency of those trapped in a locked room without windows. Hefner normalized that facade, putting a classy, in quotation marks, a classy veneer on fantasy and addiction. He said, but it was it has all been a farce. Hugh Hefter became what he did in a large part because a man who sins sexually sins against his own body. And the wages of such sin are neurological, powerful, and mysterious. The mansion is a myth. The basement is the reality. Yeah, I would agree. The basement is the reality.
It's going to be more tonight. I got more for you here on Late Night Council. I want to contrast the two of them, okay? I want to contrast, I want to contrast Hugh Hefner and David Baines. And I'm going to have a lot to say about David Baines tonight, okay? And I wanted to kind of do tunes. I kind of wanted to do tunes that kind of reflect what's going on. And I think about all these sex addicts and all these people that, you know, they can't they can't go their next day unless they, you know, get themselves relieved with something that Hugh Hefner promoted and marketed more successfully than anybody in the 20th century. In my personal belief, I believe he contributed to the degradation of women more than anybody in the 20th century. If you think otherwise, I want to hear from you tonight. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. The long distance line, the long distance line is uh 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-562-4766. Calls always take precedence over emails, but, you know, you can email me, jc at latenightcouncil.com. Keep it under six lines. That's jc at latenightcouncil.com. You can tweet at me at jwcouncil. You're going to hear from our sponsors. And then I got a tune about people staring into empty pages while I catch my breath and we solve all the problems of the world tonight before maybe uh, 11, 15, 10 after 11 or so. Stay with us. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspect distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600.
Wow, that has never happened before. That is never the first time that's ever happened since we've been doing the show uh, uh, from our new studio here. Okay, you don't know what I'm talking about. That's the first time, and I'm watching the numbers. I know how many people are listening right now. Okay, my listening audience went up about ten percent while that tune was on. You must really like Stevie Winwood and Traffic. That's never happened before. Usually, we take it. You know, people kind of kind of treat it like a commercial, and they kind of take off and turn and kind of disconnect. That's the first time I've ever put a tune on and the numbers went up. Wow. That's uh, that's kind of cool. Again, my apologies to those of you that were with us and tried at 9 o'clock and you couldn't connect. I'm hoping we've got the technical difficulties all sorted out now. Last week, we didn't get on until 9.35. This week is at 9.15, and, and I'm frantically calling around. And again, I want to thank Mike Irvin for helping us out with that. And uh, we're up and running now. Uh, welcome to Late Night Council. It's open line, open topic, as it always is Sunday night, uh, at 343-743-90 in uh, the Capital Region. One eight four four five six two four seven six six is the long distance line. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. Now, uh, if you're just joining us, um, one of the themes I'm running with tonight, and, and there's a lot of stuff I want to get to, but uh, I find it quite ironic that David Maines, uh, rightly called, uh, uh, you know, the Billy Graham of Canada, uh, such a force for good in this country. And I think it's a shame that more major media is not, you know, uh, uh, highlighting him. I mean, they should be doing documentaries on this guy on, on you know, network television because of the impact and the millions of people who just absolutely adored the man. And for good reason. David Maines and Hugh Hefner, both gone in the same week. And because there's so much mythological, it, it, forgive me, you know, cover your virgin ears now. You know, uh, there's so much BS right now that's being said about Hugh Hefner. I've actually gotten physically sick from reading some of it. And that's all you get in mainstream media. Thankfully, you can tune into this show and I can set you straight on, you know, the, the truth and the real facts about what's going on and what, you know, Hugh Hefner was all about. Christianity Today, if you go to their website, christianitytoday.com, and I don't know how long they're going to keep this article up there, but they have reposted an article that originally appeared... In uh, uh, 2003, okay, and I'll just read you the editor's note. This piece was published in 2003 for the 50th anniversary of the founding of Playboy magazine, which some proclaim as a cultural watershed for a new uh, liberation, okay? And it tells a bit about Hefner's background, and it explains, well, one of the things that, you know, that, that, that coincided perfectly with Hefner, Hefner was up and running and providing porn, okay? Don't give me this erotic adult magazine garbage, and they call their clubs gentlemen's clubs. There's nothing gentlemanly about a guy who, you know, values a woman just by, you know, her attractiveness and whether she's available sexually. That's not a gentleman, okay? Much closer describing people like that is, you know, shallow, dirty, young, and dirty old men, okay? That I, I would not want my daughters or my granddaughters being around, okay? But that's just my opinion. Feel free and you know to call in and share yours, okay? According to the official biographies, Hugh Marston Hefner was the emotionally needy byproduct of Grace, a devout Methodist mother who never hugged him. As Hefner puts it, I was a very idealistic, very romantic kid, kid in a very typically Midwestern Methodist repressed home. 
There was no show of affection of any kind, and I escaped to dreams and fantasies produced by and large by the music and the movies of the 30s. No mention anywhere is made of Hefner's father. Nobody knows where his father was. So for all, uh, by all accounts, the guy was raised by a single mom who was, uh, I think you could, it would be honest to say she was emotionally deprived. It was not, you know, a typical healthy upbringing. In launching Playboy, perhaps the smartest thing Hugh Hefner did was in establishing his personality as that of a witty, urbane sophisticate who enjoyed the company of many, many young women, writes Tom Carville on McSweeney's.net. After all, who knows how to ma- who knows how many fewer copies the magazine might have sold had he instead depicted himself as a solitary masturbator? Because that, you know, that's certainly, that's certainly, you know, who his audience was. You know, you got to create a good lie, okay? Because the truth about sexual addiction doesn't sell. The truth about a guy who gives in to his sexual urges all the time, that's not, you know, that's not appealing. That's not going to sell Lamborghinis. You know, that's not going to sell Porsches. That's not going to sell Rolex watches. That's not going to sell all the expensive toys and the fine wines and champagne that bought ad space in Playboy magazine when it was at its peak because they knew he was creating an image. And boy, all of the shallow-minded pervert swallowed it hook, line, and thinker nobody was thinking them as dirty little perverts with the door shut alone with a magazine anymore oh no Hefner packaged it brilliantly if you're a playboy oh yeah there's women falling all over you you're driving Porsches you know you're going to the Riviera you're doing all these exciting things and people devoid of wisdom and common sense they just swallowed all of it Thanks largely to Hefner's pioneering spirit, where women are free and equal, they are free and equal to be as promiscuous as men. Just go shopping at The Gap or pick up any women's magazine published in the last few decades. In it, you will find articles and essays or questionnaires demonstrating or demanding that women should have more sex than they are having. Is there an escape? A way out? A means by which a woman can choose not to have her social norms and sexual drives dictated by a porn culture? The Playboy philosophy, which requires women to be thin, infertile, and always available, essentially requires childlessness. And you can bet your birth control packet that abortion is the natural bedfellow of the successful Playboy. The Playboy Foundation... The ahem uh-huh, philanthropic wing of Playboy Enterprises, the art, uh, the, the author kind of says it with a chuckle, provides grants and donations to a wide range of projects, mostly involving reproductive rights and freedom of speech, industry code for promoting sexual license as a natural right, and abortion as a fail-safe guarantee. Hence, the heavy support of the ACLU, Planned Parenthood. Narrow pro-choice America and similarly single-minded organizations. Oh yeah, they're in, they're all for free speech as long as you agree with everything that they're promoting. Otherwise, oh you're just the, you're just the enemy of all that's natural. 
Of course Hugh Hafner is on the side of women's liberation. As long as it supports his incredible machine that brings to me the most beautiful young women, already wanting to be part of my life. The author is quoting Hugh Hefter. He actually said that. Okay? Incredible machine. It's how he described himself. The author, I'll give you the author's words, then I'll, I'll tell you where the quotations start. I'll, I'll do it again here. Of course, Hugh Hefner is on the side of women's liberation as long as it supports his, and here's Hugh Hefner's words, incredible machine that brings me the most beautiful young women already wanting to be part of my life. What could be better for an irresponsible and sexually aggressive male than an entire culture that considers women sex objects, treats pregnancy as a disease, and offers abortion as its cure? I would suggest those are pretty wise words. That's why I'm sharing with you these words tonight on Late Night Council. I don't always come up with brilliant stuff, but if I find brilliant stuff, I want to share it with you. When Hefner says the major beneficiary of the sexual revolution is women, not men, you're right to be scratching your head in confusion. Porn culture demands of women precisely what real women don't need or want. Skinny bodies, huge fake breasts, no babies, and men who are willing to commit to anything, who are not willing to commit to anything more than a quick shag. Hefner's Playmates, and in the culture he has done so much to shape all women, are primarily visual objects, metaphysically truncated to their improbable physical attributes. Among the consequences, all female rock stars are now obliged to be beautiful, contributed to a dearth, contributing to a dearth of quality female vocalists. Not because women can't sing, but because pornographic culture won't allow any but the, anybody but the most beautiful women to get on the stage. The same is true for women newscasters and waitresses. But the irony is doubly poignant in the music industry, where the melodious sound of a, someone's voice may never get to your ears because she lacks the visual appeal required by mass marketing. And again, my premise tonight, and if you want to get on on this and disagree or share your comments, it's still open line, open topic, but I've kind of made it the, the premise of the program tonight. I think that there's been no individual in the last hundred years that has degraded and devalued and exploited women more than Hugh Hefner. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That's the capital region number. one 562 Use that number if you're calling from Little Black Bear, Saskatchewan. If you're calling from Enigma, Georgia. If you're calling from Barkentown, New Jersey, or Buzzards Bay, Massachusetts, 1-844-562-4766 is your number. You can email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com. Keep it under six lines, or I don't even look at it. And you can tweet at me at jwcouncil. Now, I got a treat for you tonight. Talking about good female vocalists. As most of you know, and I encourage you to check out the website, the church that I pastor now, and I'm the first pastor of a new church here in Ottawa called Christ Church. The website is ChristChurchOttawa.com. We have two staff members at ChristChurchOttawa.com, me, the pastor. 
and one of my best buddies, Chantel Bejan. Chantel Bejan and her husband, Jean, they have a band in Gatineau. And you know what they're called? Have you heard of the band U2? Well, their band's called For You, okay? And they have just released a new single. I'm going to play it twice tonight. I'm going to play it in less than three minutes right now, okay? And uh, why am I telling you about Chantel? Chantel is our musical director at Christ Church. Every Sunday morning, she puts together a musical package that gets people rocking, that gets people singing, is very entertaining. But more than all that, it, it reveals God, okay? There's actual real worship that takes place. Because of the way she's able to, you know, uh, 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 the way she's able to uh, lead our congregation musically. And they got a hot band, too. I'm going to play a tune. I think it's called United. It just came out a day ago. Now, I have to warn you, okay? And I'm not playing the tune because of what I'm going to tell you now. They actually took a clip of one of my sermons and they weaved it into the song. I never asked them to do it. And in my opinion, I think the song's fantastic. The only weak part is this overexcited preacher that you're going to hear. So you're going to hear, listen, you're going to hear from our sponsor in just a second here, okay? You're going to hear from our sponsor. And uh, uh, and then you're going to hear, you're going to hear four U's latest tune. You're going to hear it right now and then you're going to hear it when we're going to close the show with it tonight, Okay. Call in, be a part of the program tonight. I don't mind yakety all night because I'm always passionate about something, but I want to hear from you as well. 343-700-4390 in the capital region. 343-700-4390. And 1-844-562-4766. That is the long-distance line. We'll be right back after important messages and for you. Yeah, listen closely. I don't want you taking a break. I want you to listen to this tune here, okay? They put a lot of heart and soul into it. And, uh, you know, if you if you bug me about it, I can probably point to you in, uh, to, in the direction of where you can hear more of them. You can hear them in my church every Sunday morning. I mean, if you're in the region, uh, you can go that route. Uh, but anyway, we'll be right back uh, in a couple minutes. Stay with us. Get on a bus that takes me to you. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600.
change the world. We're talking about what Christ describes as life to the full. Life to the full. That's when Jesus takes over and I see his power. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. Not bad, eh? I liked it. Chantel and Jean play every Sunday morning in our church. You know, aside from the guy yakking in the background. Anyway. More tunes, more talk, more stuff tonight. 343, that's for you. Good name for a band, eh? For you. Forget you two. This is for you. 343 743390. And they're local. They're here in Gatineau. 343 743390 in the capital region. One eight four four five six two four seven six six is the long distance line. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. You can email me at jc at late night dot com. Keep it under six lines. Jc at late night dot com. You can tweet at me at jw council. We're always open line, open topic, and the kind of the core theme of every show is I try to give you the biblical slash faith perspective on everything that's going on and you certainly get you know uh, uh, you certainly get I think far more uh, um, far more uh, um, 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 uh, objective perspective on things you know well John you're only on one side you know why because this side never gets never gets uh, media run ever ever I just got a reminder from my buddy Jean, who's in the band. Jean, you forgot Julian. Yeah, I forgot Julian. Horrible. My apologies. Julian's the drummer, okay? Julian's fantastic. You heard Julian drumming? Julian is there just about every Sunday morning. He's a very busy guy, but, you know, he had, he'd been away for about three Sundays, and, and so we didn't have a drummer for three Sundays. He was back this morning. Oh, my goodness. Just about blew the roof off the place this morning. It was so good. Anyway, so that's for you. And we're going to play it again. We're going to end the show tonight with that tune. Okay, we're going to end the show with that tune, and I uh, hope you like it. Three four three seven hundred uh, forty three ninety. So we've been talking a lot about Hugh Hefner tonight, and uh, uh, my uh, premise is, and if you want to disagree or agree or make a comment, that's fine. But I can't think of any other person that devalued and exploited women like Hugh Hefner has in the last in the last hundred years in our culture. He certainly didn't create pornography, but nobody made more money. Nobody was more successful at marketing. And nobody was better at deceiving people in thinking that it is a wonderful, positive thing that won't hurt you, probably more than Hugh Hefner. And you can agree or disagree. And at the same time, this week we lost David Maines. 
I'm sorry I wasn't able to go to the funeral at uh, Queensway Community Church down in Toronto, who is pastored by which the church is pastored by one of my best friends. Uh, we've known each other since we were kids, Billy Richards, and and I've known uh, the Rutledge and the Maines family. Uh, David Maines' wife Norma Jean, her maiden name was Rutledge, and and uh, all the kids and that whole clan are, are, are have been dear friends of mine for oh forty years, and uh, one of the guys that uh, I like reading his articles. He writes for Christianity Today, which is arguably um, uh, uh, the most wide-read Christian periodical in North America. And uh, it's not, you know, circulation is as high as it used to be because, you know, everything's online. So it's an incredibly popular website. And I was delighted when I found out Carl Vaders is writing for them. Carl Vaders is married to a college buddy of mine named Karen. Karen married a college buddy of mine named Steve. Steve Rutledge is David Maines' nephew. And uh, they live in California. When I go down to, when we go down to visit my son and daughter-in-law in, in uh, California, we always drop in and have a good time with uh, Steve and Karen. And uh, I had, I had uh, the privilege of going to an Angels-Orioles game with Steve and Karen's son, Sam, just you know, two months ago. And uh, Karen's brother, Carl, wrote a, a beautiful tribute to David Maines in Christianity Today. And if you go to the Christianity Today uh, uh, website, you can see, you know, there's a little article there. And uh, Carl, I haven't seen Carl since we were teenagers. Carl and I are not close. I'm not as close to him as I am to, you know, uh, the Rutledge and the Maines families. But I want to share a little bit here with you, okay? Um, I'll just get to the excerpts here. You can read the entire article if you go to Christianity Today and look up uh, uh, the uh, uh, the title of it. Is it Reflections on My Last Conversation with David Maines? I remember my last conversation with David Maines. He was in CFRA Studios with, him, with me. He had uh, uh, given up 100 Huntley Street. He was been, had been off air for about four or five years, and he was quite committed to uh, uh, some new projects. And so excited about them. He would have been, oh, 76, 77 back then. And the guy had as much energy as some, you know, pastors I know that are in their 20s. Anyway, I quote Carl's article here. David was as far removed from the televangelist stereotype as a person could be. Always gentle, modest and humble, even comically naive at times. David always seemed like the last person who would want to be in the spotlight. But he found himself in that position because his greatest passion was to worship Jesus and to share Christ's love. Now, most people don't know about uh, David Baines, but he started out right here in, in uh, uh, you know, the Ottawa Valley. He was pastoring in Pembroke, and he went to, well, it tells a little bit of the story here. David and I, and, and uh, uh, Carl is uh, Carl's quoting again about this last conversation he had with him says, Dave and I chatted about our common interests in blogging. Then he talked my ear off about his upcoming projects, including building a podcasting studio in his new home in Florida and working with students at the nearby Bible college. Although in his late 70s at the time, David virtually trembled with childlike excitement as, his, as he giddily told me about the latest technology and its potential to break down barriers and reach people for Jesus. That's why I want to be like David Maines when I grow up. Carl Vaders is the same age as me, by the way. That's why I want to be like David Maines when I grow up. I never want to lose the wondering, the wonder of sharing Jesus with people, using whatever means necessary, but always keeping the focus on Jesus. And there's great stuff here. His style, 
and this is this is uh, uh, Ron, his son. Okay, and Ron is the uh, the one. Uh, he has four kids. Okay, and Ron was the only one I I never was really close to. Didn't know Ron that well. I knew Reynolds, Elaine, and Ellen quite better. And and Ron has been kind of like the main uh, face of uh, Crossroads since you know David uh, uh, backed away from it. it. Says his style was not to beat people over the head with a Bible, but to speak the truth in love. While some American televangelists were purporting to heal the lame and appealing for donations that they would use to pad their bank accounts, 100 Huntley Street offered a decidedly Canadian take on religious programming. Maines was born, and here comes the connection here, Maines was born in 1936 in Campbell's Bay, Quebec, and was raised outside Ottawa by his missionary parents. When his mother died... When he was just 12, he turned away from church, but at age 16, he experienced a religious conversion. He studied theology and was ordained, going to the same Bible college that I went to, serving as a pastor in the Ontario communities of Brighton, Deep River, Sudbury, and Hamilton. Lorna Duick, who was co-host with Maine's on 100 Huntley Street and is now the CEO of the not-for-profit parent corporation, Crossroads Communications, this was she saying, when scandal-felled American televangelist Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart in the 80s, the image of the whole business suffered. Crossroads saw a steep drop in the donations that paid to keep 100 Huntley Street on the air. In 1992, as Maines dealt with the financial crisis that forced him to lay off more than a quarter of his Crossroads employees, and I had a lot of friends that worked there. And I remember those times. I remember even going into Burlington and, you know, visiting with some of them just to, you know, to offer encouragement at the headquarters there. He told the Ottawa citizen at that time, the U.S. scandals had made people suspicious. He said he began, listen to this, he began carrying around his T4 income tax slip, showing his annual income of $48,000 to prove he was not in the business for the money. That sounds like him. I don't need to make more. The Lord's promise to supply our needs, not our greeds, he said at the time. Boy, I got another story coming up tonight that is a contrast to this that will blow you away, okay? The televangelist scandal of the 80s deeply affected David Duick, said, noting that he was called, and I remember when this was happening, he was called in to help set the PTL club back on course after host Jim Baker was charged with fraud. He knew the players who had fallen, Jimmy Swagger, Jim Baker, she said. He knew them personally, and it deeply troubled and grieved him. She said his integrity was apparent and allowed him to weather the storm. In 2008, the Christian Council of Canadian Charities honored Maines and Billy Graham for their lifetimes of integrity. You want a biblical perspective on that? A good name is better than great riches. I continue with the article here. Maine's waded into political debates, most recently coming out against the legalization of gay marriage. In 2003, as he announced his plan to retire as the host of 100 Huntley Street, he said he wanted to devote more time to preserving the traditional definition of marriage as meaning a man and a woman. And when he was on my show, the last few times he was on my show, that was the thing that he was, he was fighting for the most. Duick said he told her that he felt like a champion of losing social causes, having unsuccessfully opposed euthanasia, abortion, and gay marriage. But she said he felt the primary cause of his life was as a winner, get right with Jesus and love people. 
That was his driving force. And anybody that was knew him and was close to him knew that's what made the guy tick more than anything. He was not a politician. He was a kind, wonderful, generous, uh, humble man uh, that you know believed that the things that he was fighting for were biblical convictions. Despite having created the created Canada's longest running daily TV show, which of any kind, by the way, which producers say reaches 1.3 million viewers a week. Maines never aspired to be a celebrity, and the country's elite did not see him as one. Duick said his name was put forward several times for the Order of Canada, but was never selected. And that's a tragedy. That really is. When we look at, and, and you know, I'm not going to apologize for what I'm going to say right now. When we look at the some of the most absolute moral losers that we give the Order of Canada to, you know, there's times when, it's, when I've been embarrassed to be Canadian. So, you know, David, do you, would you really want to belong to a club, you know, that honors the guy who's killed more babies in this country? Uh, you know, uh, uh, Morgan Tyler? I mean, I would, if, 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 you know, if hell froze over and I was ever said, John, they want to give you an order of the Canada, I want, to, I want you to know right now, I would turn it down. I would. If you're going to put me in a category with some of the, and, and that's just, you know, the highest profile loser. I don't think there's any shame that David Maines was never given the Order of Canada. That just shows how messed up the country is. That doesn't show you any less greatness of David Maines. I don't think the official power structures knew what to do with David Maines, Lawrence said. We don't understand why in some people's minds he remains a minor player. To the millions of people who know his broadcast work, he remains a hero of love of the highest degree. I can't agree more, Lorna. I got a bit of a connection to Lorna as well. Lorna's uh, original home church, and she was there before I was there, but uh, I pastored her church out in Brandon, Manitoba. When she had just started working, you know, for uh, 100 Huntley Street, and now I find out she's the CEO of the whole operation. God bless you, Lorna. Good on you. So I got a great tune to play for you here. This is not a Christian tune. It would not be called gospel. But uh, one of my favorite bands is the band Yes. And everybody knows a lot of their, you know, stuff they did in the 70s, like Roundabout and Starship Trooper and and Yours is No Disgrace. This is a tune that came out, oh, I think it was in about 2001 or 2002. And every once in a while you'll hear a tune that maybe not be coming from a, you know, a, a Christian source. But every time I hear this, it stirs up feelings of, of Christ in me. It stirs up feelings of people who are heroic, who are champions of what the gospel is all about. And when I think of David Maines, I think about a profound calling. I think about a guy who, who you know, when he cruised into heaven last Wednesday, boy, I'm telling you, they had a party. They had a party. And I can prove that to you scripturally. I can give you the biblical perspective on that. This guy finished the race, man. I mean, he finished well, very, very well. And the legacy that he leaves, there are still people that are free from addictions. There are marriages that have come together. There are people that have inspired to do wonderful Christ-like things because of David Maines. When you, Christ, when you contrast his legacy with Hugh Hefner's, oh my goodness, moral and emotional and spiritual casualties left everywhere. People left destitute, chasing a dream that only took more of them and spent them. 
So this is a tune. I'm going to take a little bit of a breather here. This is the band Yes, and the tune is called, I just love this tune. I'm, I'm as excited, more excited to hear it than you are, but it's a great tune. This is called The Calling.
Man, I love that song. You know, there are there are hymns and there are tunes that you know we we sing in church that don't stir me up as much as that one does. That is yes, who are now no more. I don't know if they'll replace Chris Squire, the bass player who was a founding member that died about a year ago now, because he was such an integral part of that band. I mean, I think all you're going to get now is yes tribute bands and. Tribute bands are never good as the real deal, but uh, 343 It's Ask the Pastor. It's Late Night Council. Whatever's on your mind. one 844 is the long-distance line. That's one 844 You can email me at jc at late Got to keep it under six lines. M's the rules, and it's got to be airworthy, too. You don't get on air just because, you know, it's under six lines. And you can tweet at me at JWCouncil. Been talking a lot about Hugh Hefner tonight, as everybody in media has been. And we've been talking about somebody that it's, uh, well, it's really sad that he's not getting more uh, attention, and that is David Maines. Our beloved David Maines here in Canada, uh, who passed away last Wednesday at the age of 81, and uh, 
very dear to me, a real hero. I mean, I've done 34, 35 years, 36 years, 36 years of, uh, of talk radio in Canada. And uh, proud, proud to have a, a, a very limited association with uh, uh, David Maines. But any contact I had with him and his family has always been super positive. And uh, he will be sadly, sadly missed. And uh, a Crossroads Communication, of course, is still going on. And uh, um, we've been kind of contrasting the two lives tonight. Hugh Hefner, with all of the garbage that's being said about him, and, and uh, there's hardly anybody talking about, you know, the, the, the horrible impact that he had on women and, and you know, uh, marriages and relationships and uh, uh, North America. I propose tonight that I don't think there's been a man in the last 100 years that has done more to devalue women and degrade women more than Hugh Hefner. If you can think of anybody, please call in. I want to hear from you. And don't give me this garbage about free speech and everything, okay? It's got nothing to do with that. If you were just an average-looking woman with a lot of great talent, but you weren't available sexually and you weren't that attractive, he had no place for you whatsoever. You know, maybe we can get you to work in the mailroom. His whole premise of life was the, the gratification of, of, you know, every woman desire, woman, whim and desire that a man would have. 343-743-90 in the capital region. That's 343-743-90. And one 562 is the long distance line. Now, we are, like, commemorating and, and, and expressing, really, our grief, and we are mourning the passing of, uh, in my opinion, a great Canadian hero, David Maines. And I'm not really discouraged that he didn't get that, you know, the acclaim that I believe that he deserves because he wasn't working for that. He didn't care. It didn't mean anything to him that he wasn't, you know, a media star in Canada. You know what David Maines was living for? And I know him well enough in the family for years that I and if he was if he was listening right now, he would be saying, John, couldn't have said it better myself. You know what David Maines was living for his entire life, the thing that made him go, the thing that drove him, okay? The thing that would have made him go on air for decades, you know, without even getting paid, okay? You know what kept him going? To one day hear the words, and he's already heard them. Well done good and faithful servant, or maybe in our vernacular, David, you finally made it. You done good, boy. Come on in. There's a lot of people waiting for you here. And there's going to be a lot of people coming here soon. And they're going to be here because of you, pal. Who we got on the line here? We got a caller. Who's on the air? Who have I got on here? It's Mike. Ah, it's Mike that saved my show tonight. Thanks, buddy. My no best and faithful caller, the guy that well, keeps it going. in my own interest as well. I wanted to hear it. <laughs> Folks, I want you to know that on Wednesday night, we couldn't get Nick up and running online. So he had to do his show on Facebook. Okay, we're not on Facebook here. We may never get on Facebook on my show. But Mike actually drove down to the studio here and tried to help out. And that's just the type of Mike guy Mike is. And he's probably embarrassed that I'm saying it now. But I don't care because I love Mike and I want you to know how good a guy he is. What's on your, uh, on your mind tonight, Mike? Well... I've been listening to your topic and the two people you're contrasting, 
And it's interesting because um, I finally, I've been interested in uh, Aristotle's book, The Nicomachean Ethics, for some time now. And this oh, past you're such week, an intellectual, Mike. Was that? You're such an intellectual, no, Mike. No, actually, you know something? I'm, uh, what I'm discovering is... Give me the title is, again. I just want, to, I want people to be impressed with how smart you are. Give me the title again. I'm guessing at how it's pronounced, Nicomachean Ethics. By Aristotle. A lot of people just refer to Aristotle's book on By ethics. Aristotle. So, like, Aristotle, as we know, folks, that's not exactly Daniel Steele. That's not exactly Oprah or, you know, Dr. Phil. Continue, Mike. On the Mike. other hand, don't, don't let it intimidate you, because I, this is, a, I, and I have to admit, Mike, I've I'm not intimidated at all. I'm, I'm just ce- starting I'm, to. I'm celebrating it, Mike. Go ahead. Well, when you, when you start reading it, what you'll find is he's actually quite easy to read. I, I was expecting something way more heavy to try to get through. And now, the, well, it's, it's probably an easy a good, read. easy English translation. It's probably a good, easy English translation. No, I think he just spoke in very plain language. I say, yeah, there's the translation for sure, but you're, he speaks in a very down to earth way. Okay. Um, and, and the few words or the few uh, names that he uses, obviously, I don't know some of these names or references. But as soon as you one Google and you instantly see what that was referring to, bang, you've got his thought. No problem. So he's actually quite an easy person to read. But then when you sit back and contemplate what you just read, it's almost like reading scripture. It's it's not any scripture is not that difficult to read. It's quite it, depending on the translation, you can find one in very easy to read English. But at the same time, when you stop and sit back and think, wow, what did I just read there? Like, what is, what's the point of this? Then you start to really see how deep this really goes. So it's, it's easy to read, but to really get how deep it is, you know, you've got to spend a little time thinking about it. But anyway, so Aristotle was exploring this idea that human beings all desire happiness. In other words, the pursuit of happiness. We all seek happiness. But then he starts to question, what do we mean by happiness? And he lays out three possible categories. And the first category says most people go for the physical, the touch. The, they want uh, wealth and they want pleasure. They want sensuality. That's what, they, that's what they're seeking. Mm-hmm. In other words, what the Bible would call flesh. Um, that's what most people go for. Now, you'll get some people, and of course, they don't really truly find happiness. That's sort of an illusion to them. So then he goes on to the next category, and he says you've got some people that will seek what he calls the political life, and by that he defines it as you know, people seeking higher knowledge, wisdom, virtue, honor. But he says you, know, you can also find and attain those things, but that too doesn't necessarily satisfy you. You're, you're still wanting more. It's not really happiness. So he kind of dismisses those first two categories. Then he then he calls the third and category. He's not coming. He's not coming. He's not coming from a spiritual perspective either. It's totally intellectual, isn't it? Yeah, this guy's a pagan. This is this is Greece. So I mean, and Greece in his time in 350 BC, they they worshipped the Greek gods. He rejected all of that, and it's it's interesting. He doesn't seem to ever know or acknowledge the Hebrew Bible because this is before Christ, right? Um, well, I mean, the Hebrew but, Bible was there, you know. Well, I don't know. That's the thing. I, I'd have to look more into this, whether he knew of it, accessed it, read it. I have no idea. But I, there's no way he has this kind of wisdom and knowledge without God giving it to him. Now, why God gives it to this guy, I have no idea, but he did. So anyways, as he as he's, goes on, he starts to look at what he calls the contemplative life. 
and he starts laying out that, you know, just like a, an eye has a purpose and a foot and a hand, and a carpenter is a carpenter for a reason. He has something specific to do. He believes that human beings are designed and created for a purpose, and that when you find and discover what that purpose is for you, that's right for you, and you fulfill that, when you devote yourself to that, um, now, I'm coming at this right with a biblical perspective, obviously. Yeah, but it's and interesting. He's smart enough to recognize, you know, the drives and, you know, what, what uh, has, you know, you know what really uh, guides us as far as conscience is concerned. And, he, like, he's not and to be coming not from a, a, a scriptural uh, uh, perspective. That's, that's quite remarkable, in my opinion. Oh, it's—I'm telling you, the, the ethics and—the ethics— is the first part, and then it ends with the politics. So there's two books, The Ethics and the Politics. But it's one continuous body of work, I believe. And it, and it all leads to this idea of um, what is aiming at the good. And, and when I hear him say that we aim for the good, we aim to be like what we were meant to be. And, of course, we were created in God's image. Like I said, I, I can't help but read him and bring the Bible to it and see what fits. And there's a lot of it that really fits. And I think this is why Thomas Aquinas uh, was so drawn to him. Thomas Aquinas is largely the reason that the West had, like, for, for however many, a thousand years, Aristotle was lost to history. Nobody knew much about him. Nobody cared. And, and Aristotle, or sorry, Thomas Aquinas kind of discovered his it. writings and... Sorry? Kind of revived interest in, in Aristotle is what you're saying. Yeah, now there were some, there were some uh, people within the body of the church, because uh, uh, Aquinas was a, have, a real intellectual as well. Um, he was a Dominican friar around 1200, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he, he, there, was, there were some in the church that took Aristotle way too far, almost like cult-like, um, you know, and that, but, the, but then there were those that just rejected it completely. It's philosophy. We can't touch philosophy. And you, you and I both know lines in the Bible that talk about philosophies, you know, luring you in and, and deceiving you. So then people well, were Well, I mean, you know, not all philosophies are bad. The Bible warns against oh, empty philosophies, but that requires a lot of discussion, doesn't it? You know, to determine what, you know, what that is. Exactly. And, and so the, this Thomas Aquinas is a brilliant man, and he, he saw the wisdom of what... He obviously saw the good in a lot of what Aristotle was writing, especially with the ethics and politics. And so Thomas Aquinas describes grace, and I just want to get into his writings as well, but he describes grace as when the Holy Spirit comes into us and transforms us. And what it does is it, it, cre- it creates in us um, what we are meant to be. You can see where he's drawn this right out of Aristotle's book. And he says, you know, just like a, a saw behaves in your hand, we in God's hand become what we were meant to be. So we're not a one-dimensional tool like a saw being yanked through wood, but we are made in God's image. We are meant to be Christ-like. So when we hand ourselves over to that, then God will use us the way he intended for us, because we were all born and created for a purpose, each one of us a different purpose. And we're given different, uh, different goals, different aspirations, different talents and skills, different resources needed to carry that out, and then God takes us the rest of the way. So when we submit ourselves totally to him and allow ourselves to be in his hand the way we were meant to be and allow God to use us the way he intended to, 
that is where you find true joy, true happiness. And that's essentially, when I'm reading Aristotle, even though he's not referring it to God, he's kind of re- describing much the same thing. He's kind of there, there without knowing he's there. Yeah, exactly. And again, there's got to be a reason God didn't just put that kind of knowledge and wisdom into this man. And, and I'm barely even scratching the surface of this book. Um, there's so much that lines up with Scripture and helps me see things in Scripture that, that you know, it's just sort of like trying to get a fix on, when you're reading Scripture, you're trying to get a handle on, what am I looking at here? What am I trying to understand? What is this? And you're praying, and you're looking for other, other ways, and then God brings you something like this, and you read it, and you think, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then you go back to the Scripture, and you're looking at it, and thinking, wait a minute, is that what this is saying? Because something just, a light goes off. And how that is, I don't know, that's the Lord, that's the Holy Spirit helping you see it finally, but... I found a lot of, uh, I personally have found from, you know, reading Aristotle and, of course, now getting introduced to Aquinas, I find that to be very complementary to the way I hear or read Scripture or the way I understand it. Uh, you know, it's limited at best, but that there's something about that that sounds or feels correct to me. And, it's and, not, I, and, and you're so saying you, it's, it's not over your head, Mike. Well, so it, I mean, I'm barely, <laughs> I'm barely swimming to the surface on this, but um, I, I think that's how I'm understanding it. And when you contemplate the two men you're discussing, you've got both extremes. You've got a man devoted to his physical flesh pleasure, and, and most people celebrating that as the life to live. But I don't know, it seems kind of empty to me. And yet when you compare it with the other fella who devoted himself to be to, to be God's instrument, or you think of a Corey Ten Boom, yeah, or, or yeah. a Dietrich Bonhoeffer who died, but yet, I, from what Eric McCassus says, he died with a smile on his face. The man, I believe, was hung naked two weeks before Hitler committed suicide, and yet he died with a smile on his face. Why? Because he had given himself to what God wanted him to be. That's how I read that, and... and so, yeah, I just sort of, it's interesting how he examines what is happiness, and it makes you question, what is the Bible leading you to be happy? And when you, when you read that scripture that says, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, tell me that's not what you wouldn't want to hear. Well, okay, that's what somebody would want to hear that has a relationship with God, that has learned, that has learned how incredibly powerful he is, how loving he is, how gracious he is. Somebody that doesn't have a relationship with God, they hear that and they say, yeah, I don't know, you know, yeah, yeah, it's nice for you to you, you Jesus types to talk about this, but, you know, I, I can't expect people that have not, uh, I will use the term tasted, I can't expect people who have not tasted of the goodness of God, I can't expect them to, you know, to, to, to understand what we're talking about here, you know? And, and I think and, that's and I, I want to be, and I like to be, uh, I, I like to be, you know, sympathetic to that. You know, I think that's fair, there, don't you? I when I when I think of when Jesus is on the cross and he says, "Father, forgive them, for they know what know not what they do." I I, I almost sense sadness, real sadness, deep well, yeah. sorrow from him. Horrible that, grief that they just can't see it. Horrible grief. Yeah. You know? that, that these people are so lost, they're so blind, they just can't see it, they just can't, they just can't let go of the sin. They, they just are so... Well, and, and, and it's interesting that, it, that Aristotle also used the word, it's, it's like slave. It's like when he described that first category of the flesh, or what I call in the flesh, 
he he describes it as almost slavish. They here's, can't they can't break free of it. Mike, here's a here's a funny. You should bring this up because you you don't uh, regularly go to my church. Um, but here's a scripture I, I, I tried my best to expound today in, in, in our, my message. This is 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, and it's exactly what we're talking about here. The God of this age, okay, we recognize him, we know he's the devil, okay? The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So you mm-hmm. have that dynamic working against people who, you know, yep. and, and of course, Hugh Hefner was a materialist. And, you know, if I can't see it, touch it and believe it, if it doesn't thrill me, then what's the use? OK, and it's really sad that there was a, not only a whole world that, you know, he could have experienced and, and could have, uh, you know, uh, uh, uh been such a positive force to so many people instead of you know contributing to the great to a great degree to uh you know ruined lives and uh uh, uh you know ruined uh, relationships and marriages and, well, uh, this is and, really... and there, you can't you can't discount the spiritual blindness that is so rampant in our culture today but we also can't forget and this is a really important point and and Aristotle makes this point and Jesus makes this point and to go back to the to the Old Testament in Genesis, um, they ate of the tree um, of uh, knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. So, so in Aristotle's writings and in Jesus' parable of the seed, uh, seed sower, there are only a few people that have no seed, or what Aristotle calls this truly uh, vicious, truly evil. There's no good in them. And I believe that's true of the ones who have no seed of Jesus, Mm because Jesus is the Mm -hmm. seed, right? Um, But then they they give two more categories in the middle before the top category. So the top category is where you've got the seed and it's bearing fruit. So that's, you have Christ. You're not perfect, but you have Christ. You have grace. And and Aristotle calls it the virtuous life. You're truly virtuous. You're not perfect, but you're virtuous. Um, But then there's two categories in between, the seed that uh, gets a little bit of root, but as soon as the sun comes up, it's gone. It burns up in, yeah. the, in the first bit of light. Or you get the other one that does take root, but weeds, the weeds and thorns choke it out. So it, it, even though it's got mature message, so you've got some Christ in you. That's why you see people who are, you know, will do bad things. We've met people that have done things like this in our lives that... You know, they have a form of Christ in them, and yet they can turn right around and do something bad, too, because they're not really at the fruit-bearing stage. They're at one of those other stages that Jesus describes. And when he's describing those two other categories, those are categories that have a form of godliness, but they're still going to hell. So they have a bit of evil in them and a bit of good, yet they've chosen the bad. The bad rules them, the bad enslaves them. And I think that's why the Bible uses that language a lot about Jesus freeing us from that slavery, from yeah. that, from the chains of that, from and, our addiction And, and, and he it. doesn't, you know, uh, he doesn't violate people's choice. You know, he gives them the choice. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, we it? really do have a choice. Yeah. Knock and I will answer. Yeah. He's waiting for us. I mean, he has died for our sins, but you still got to choose it. You got to want it. If you don't want it, and it's, and choosing it and wanting it is more than just professing with your mouth. You have to want it with your heart. 
That's what the other scriptures are warning about. That's why he, he why he flips the tables at the at the money changer tables because if you're just professing it with your mouth, but it's not with your heart, it's meaningless. You have to really truly change yourself, and God will help you do that. And you kind of exposed what uh, you know this show's all about. Okay, what's this show all about? To kind of get people to have an appetite for it. Hey, what are you guys talking about? You know, I want to know more about this. And, and I can't force people with the message, but I can do my best to say, hey, look, this is worth checking out here. This is really worth your time and your energy. And, and it is happiness. This is, this is joy. I've never been happier. The more I find, the more I meditate on Scripture, the more I put it to action in my life, the more He comes into my life, the more He reveals to me things that I didn't see yesterday. Every day I know so much more than I knew the day before. It's mind-blowing, and, and I want even more. I can't get enough of it. It's almost an addiction for me at this point. Are you and, turning into and, a... and the more I look at the old life, I don't want it anymore. I don't care. I'm still drawn to sin. I'm still, I still struggle like anybody else, but the more I push that out of my life, the, the less I want it back. Are you turning into a Jesus freak? I probably am. Probably already there. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Okay. Good having you on, buddy. Probably the best caller to this program. I got a great tune for you. I got to put this on. This is, you remember 10CC? I'm not in love, so don't forget. The things we do for love, like walking in the rain and the snow, and there's nowhere to go, and you feel like a part of you is dying. There's, you know, 10CC's got a, a lot of great tunes, really great tunes that nobody's ever heard. This is one of them that you're going to hear, okay? And then when we come back, I got a couple more things to share with you. I told you I was going to go past 11 because we got a late start, and I don't have time to squeeze everything into the, you know, the limited time we have. So this is, this is 10CC. Are you ready for the title? This is called Shine a Light in the Dark. Shine a Light in the Dark. Great title, eh? Well, the tune's even better than the title. Here you go.
10 cc. Yeah, that 10 cc. Most of you are too young to remember it. But. 343-700-4390 if you want to get a call in before we call it a night. 343-700-4390. And uh, 1-844-562-4766. I told you I'm going to end the show with uh, that tune by For You, which is Jean Streves, uh, uh, my buddy Julian, and and, and uh, Jean's wife Chantal, who lead our music team every Sunday morning at Christchurch in Ottawa. And uh, if you want more information about Christchurch, just go to ChristchurchOttawa.com. They might you might even find a picture of me there. I don't know. I want to cover one more story before we uh, pack it in, and we're going a little bit past 11 tonight because we had a late start because of technical difficulties. And if you call in and you want to interrupt, and that's fine. Don't mind that, okay? The last couple of weeks, you know, I, I've told you a little bit about some of the, you might remember a few shows ago, we did a, a bit on uh, the richest pastors in North America, and all of them are into this prosperity gospel stuff, okay? Kenneth Copeland is worth $1.2 billion dollars. T.D. Jakes, $50 million. Creflo Dollar, $100 million. Joel Osteen, $55 million. Joyce Landorf, $25 million. Joyce Landorf is the bottom in the, you know, the top ten. It's crazy, the money these guys are hauling in. Well, T.D. Jakes put out a tweet this week on Twitter. And this is what it said. This is from Christian Post Reporter. And I remember seeing the tweet because it was retweeted, it, and I read it, and I thought, what in the world? you got to be kidding me. Anyway, popular megachurch pastor Bishop T.D. Jakes of the Potter's House in Dallas, Texas, sparked a fur online Sunday, that's last Sunday, when he told his 2.8 million followers on Twitter that if they obey God, they will never be broke again. If you obey God, you will never be broke another day in your life, was the actual tweet that T.D. Jakes put out. Dude is worth $50 million. Now, I know I'm supposed to be kind, and I'm not supposed to criticize other, you know, pastors and stuff like that. And I know what Philippians 1.18 says, where Paul says, you know, there are some people that preach the gospel just for, you know, wealth and gain. He says, what is that to me? I rejoice that the gospel is being preached. And what he's saying is that the power of the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ that Mike Irvin talked about when he called in about, you know, how incredible, wonderful it is, okay, it is so powerful that not even charlatans and con men can water it down. There are people that come to a radically wonderful saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and the only message they've ever heard it from is one of these, you know, uh, wealth-pushing, uh, materialistic, uh, money-is-everything evangelists. Oh, John, you're being hard. Well, you know what? I've come by it honestly. Let me to read you what the Bible says, okay? This is not T.D. Jakes now. This is the Bible. And he was quoting the scripture when he said, and the reason, I know the, 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 the scripture he's referring to. You know, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. That's from, you know, that's from, uh, 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 it's from the Old Testament. And that's what these guys do. They, 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 they paint one side of a God. They never give you the whole truth. There are all sorts of parts of the Bible that they never talk about because there's all sorts of scriptures that totally destroy their unbalanced theology, like this one in Hebrews 11.35, okay? I'm going to read to you, just as it's written. 
Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Well, that sounds positive. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what they had been promised. And the Bible, that's, I'm reading from Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is recognized by every theologian and commentator that's worth its salt as God's hall of fame. These people were more than broke. And they end up in the most heroic chapter that's in the Bible. So should we be labeling people like T.D. Jakes and Creflo Dollar and Joel Osteen? Should we be labeling them as false prophets, doing more harm than good? Is that a judgment call? Am I being judgmental by saying that? I'm sharing an opinion because when these bozos are misrepresenting what Christ is all about, okay, it was Jesus that said, you know, somebody said, I want to follow you, I'll follow the ends of the earth. And this is what he said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That doesn't sound like a guy that was worth a lot of money. Peter and John are coming out of the temple, and a blind beggar who's crippled says he wants money from them. And, he sa- and Peter says to him, we don't have any silver and gold, but what we have we're going to give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. He even told the guy they were broke. When T.D. Jake says, if you follow Christ, you'll never be broke another day in your life. So should be we be labeling guys like that false prophets? And we wonder why smart-thinking Canadians shrug when they hear that kind of nonsense or see it on TV and they say, that's God? No, thanks. Well, I got news for anybody that's encountered crap like that, and I'm being kind by calling it crap, to misrepresent what it means to really follow Christ, Okay. And as a means to make yourself wealthy. Listen, these people who say they follow Christ and promote totally unbalanced, I would even say perverted doctrine because it's a side of a truth that is warped. Let me read to you what Jesus said. This is Matthew 5. A lot of you have heard this before. Contrast this with T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen, Joyce Landorf, Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland, And all these other, you know, name it and claim it, Jesus wants you rich bozos. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they're going to inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Not hunger and thirst for more money, hunger and thirst for righteousness, he said. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It seems as though Jesus identifies the guys that are being ridiculed, not the guys that are driving around in Rolls Royces and Cadillacs and living in crazy luxury. Uh Uh-uh. The ones that are being persecuted, the ones that are spoken ill of, the ones that are not receiving what they believe for, but they follow Jesus anyway, those are the ones that he says, they're the real, they're the real deal there. So I leave you with that, and I leave you with for you. The tune is united. This is my our our music team, our worship team from Christ Church Ottawa, and uh, they're going to take you out tonight and uh, end the show. We're back next week, and hopefully all the technical issues are done. I have every reason to believe they are. Thanks for tuning in. when Jesus takes over and I see his power because when I am weak then I am strong